0: This is Ron Friends, Comics Illustrator, and this is a bumper for the amazing Spider Talk. And a little trainer, walk a little prouder, be an innovator, laugh a little louder. Don't correct the we can show you how to.
1: Hello, and welcome to the Amazing Spider Talk. My name is Dan Gavazden, and I'm the editor of SuperiorSpiderTalk.com.
2: And I'm Mark Gianacchio, the editor of the Chasing Amazing blog.
1: Thanks for joining us for the first ever member request episode of Amazing Spider Talk.
2: Woohoo! Woo! <laughs>
1: We hope you enjoy this podcast and that it provides an intelligent conversation between two fans and collectors as we hope to look at the Spider-Man comic universe in a bit of a bigger picture.
2: Yes, and this is the episode where members of the friendly neighborhood Spider-Talk Members Club wrote to tell us what Spider-Man comic they'd like to hear us review. The request came in heavy and in the end we chose three stories to cover. So uh, what are we talking about today, Tan? Tan?
1: Well, Mark, we're going to begin by talking about Untold Tales of Spider-Man number 1 by Kurt Busiek and Pat Olive. Then we're going to talk about Amazing Spider-Man 212, the first Hydro-Man issue by Denny O'Neill and John Romita Jr. And then we're going to talk about the entire Revelations arc by a variety of authors and illustrators. Too many to list right now
2: the entire Revelations arc. Do we have to, Dan? We're going to do it. (laughs) Because it's been requested. Uh, If you'd like to request your own favorite issues to be covered by the show and to be entered into random drawings for free comics and other prizes, please be sure to go to our websites, ChasingAmazingBlog.com and SuperiorSpiderTalk.com and click on the banner that reads Friendly Neighborhood Spider Talk Members Club to make a donation and become a member.
1: Man, you were just choking on getting that out. Yes. It is a really long name.
2: And very long, very arduous.
1: Why did we do that? (laughs) Remember, if you hear this special sound, please check out your iOS device for a link to an article, video, or image to enhance your listening experience. Mark, we got three books to cover, so let's go back in time and discuss Untold Tales of Spider-Man number one, and you can explain to me why it's so much better than learning to crawl.
0: Well, I stood stone like at midnight, suspended in my masquerade, and I combed my hair that was just right, and commanded the night brigade.
2: Well, Dan, since you put it like that, and it's all on me, no, I, 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 I love this book. Um, I love this issue, but I also love the book as a whole. Um, I think this is like one of the great underrated series of the 90s, uh, just, just for the uninitiated. Um, so, in, in 1995, um, so this actually came out in the heart of the Clone Saga, which makes it even more amazing. Um, the the Spider Man, uh, the Marvel editors decided to kind of go back to Spider Man's roots. Um, and they started releasing untold tales of Spider-Man. Uh, these were these were um, stories that took place in during the Dick Lee era of Spider-Man, but they were kind of their own unique, self-contained stories. Um, but there were new characters introduced, and and they took some existing characters and kind of retcon them into um, the Spider-Man mythos at earlier points. Um, you know, I, I, I guess for me. Um, what I, what I like about this is it is it knows what it is and, and and you know and that's where it differs greatly from learning to crawl. You've heard me com- complain a lot about learning to crawl in terms of not knowing what it wa- wants to achieve. And this it's just trying to tell. Uh, Untold Tales is just trying to tell old school Spider Man stories uh you know Kurt Busiek has like this the right kind of voice for for a story like this I mean like you know it's true to the character but like I'm not sitting there being like wait well, hey, well you know where does this fit in on this it's just it's like no I'm just going to tell a story about you know here's here you know in, in the case of untold tales number 1 there's this new villain the scorcher I actually do have an issue with some of the villains in in uh, throughout the series um but putting that aside you know and it's 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 spider-man trying to prove himself and prove his worth and you know maybe maybe make a good impression on the cops we have captain stacy who makes an appearance in this book with a nice little picture of gwen on his desk so that's like a good probably 30 issues or so before his actual first appearance um yeah i just i just feel like there's a there's a a, a, a kind of a vibe to this book that um you know it knows what it wants to do it's it's not it's not it's both reverent without worrying too much about not offending anybody about what it's trying to, uh, you know, like where does this fit in continuity or anything like that. Um, I don't know, Dan. Are, are you are you a fan of Untold Tales?
1: Yeah, I am. I, I I like it. I don't think I've I haven't read it since it like was initially was coming out. Right. Um, you know, I remember like reading this instead of reading the Clone Saga at the time yes. because I just got so sick of the Clone Saga. And, uh, and enjoying this book, and actually, you know, this was the first time I had picked it up since the '90s. So, you know, I, I'm a bit foggy on on most of this series, you know, because it just exists when I was 10 years old. Um, but uh, you know, picking this up again was just as fresh as I remember it being. And uh, you know, and I, I think I think you're right about it, knowing what it wants to do. But I, I do think that it does. You know, bother itself with continuity. You know, at times, you know, it it does try to tie in. You know that these stories are are placed very squarely in like the teen books. Like it's probably like issue like thirteen ish where this takes place. Yeah, Um, I think they make a couple references to help you ground it. But you're right, it isn't so bogged down, and it goes a bit more out of its way to kind of like do these big set pieces uh, that like really kind of. you know show you a lot more about him becoming a seasoned i guess fighter
2: yeah i mean they're definitely it's there's definitely less concern about the earliest earliest days of spider-man like those first three issues that learning to crawl is looking at and maybe that's where the challenge where slash challenges lie because i mean that those mm-hmm. those stories are so you know revered and and are so you know like untouchable in terms of what they're trying to achieve whereas you know by the time i mean you know we we all love the dick ollie arc um but you know it's not like it's not like busiak and, and olive here are, are trying to um you know alter if this be my destiny in the final chapter you know what i mean these are kind of sure. these, these these mishmash of stories in the middle um where you know i I think i find like the i mean my experience in reading this run is and and i reread it not super recently but like in the last six months recently um just just because i i think i think i started reading it when learning to crawl was announced because i was like oh let me let me you know like for point of comparison um but uh you know, I I, I think it kind of gets a little muddied when when it starts talking about like uh, the Peter, you know, the initial Spider-Man quits uh, saga, which I think was like issues, what, 17 through 19 or something like that. Mm-hmm. Um, but I mean, overall, like, you know, when we're talking about just trying to tell its own story, I mean, there there are stories here involving like Mary Jane and Betty Brand and and some of Peter's classmates. Um, that are just really good standalone stories and arcs that develop these characters that give you new understandings. That I mean, that, I mean, it, I can't. I guess you can't call it retcons because if if. The information isn't already there. It's not. They're not changing anything. It's just like, okay, we really don't understand why Betty Brand is so skittish. So let's give a Betty Brand origin story, you know, or, or, you know, and you know, this one kind of plays off of like what you know, some of the stuff we got in Parallel Lives with with MJ from that Jerry Conway story back in the day, uh, to give her more context in terms of where she fits into Peter's early life, and 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 those those are the things where I feel that this this series really um, succeeds, and
1: or how George Stacy found out. that peter was spider-man
2: right yeah exactly um and you know in terms of this first issue i mean yeah i mean i I love the involvement of of captain stacy i like i like the idea of of um peter as spider-man trying to kind of like prove himself to the police because it's like you know um that to me that is something that just was never explored in Dick I mean, you know, the adversary was, you know, in terms of the man, it was Jonah, you know, like, you know, how does, how does he, how does he win over Jonah and he won't. Um, Whereas like, you know, he's doing, he's doing the police a favor, but he's still acting as a vigilante. And the fact that like, you know, Stacy is just so pragmatic in that, in how he like, you know, how can we, how can we resolve this? It's like, okay, you want to be a cop, take the mask off and we'll do it. You know? And it's like, you know, that's, that's to me, that is George Stacy to a T, you know, like he's not, he, you know, he's not looking to judge, but he wants to do it by the book, you know. Um, and then you get like little, little other Easter eggs. Like I, I, I believe in this uh, issue that mentions uh, Randolph Chera, yeah. who, uh, who, of course, was the uh, the mayoral candidate during the Frank Miller uh, Daredevil run that Kingpin was backing. Um, So, you know, just little things like that where you're like, ah, that's fun. You know, like, you know, Busiek, I'm glad that he worked that in. Um, Yeah, I mean, my biggest issue, I think, with with this comic and then, you know, kind of the series as a whole is is some of the original villains that were created are kind of, I mean, the Scorcher just kind of feels like a mishmash of other villains that we've seen before. Um, What do you – go ahead. I was going to say, although we do have an Osborne connection, which is interesting.
1: Yeah, what did you think of – like the art in these books.
2: Um, I, I like Olaf a lot. You know, apparently he gets he gets compared Ron Friends. Um, yeah, I
1: feel that and like Bagley a lot here.
2: Yeah, and, and, and I mean Bagley certainly makes sense because you know of the timing of when these books came out. Um, but you no, know, there, there, there's. I, 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 you know, I and I think Ron and Pat are actually like really good friends in real. And you know, I think Ron and our podcast made a joke about the fact that like you know, like when they when they want to go to these like old style looking books, it's like you know they'll call Pat or they'll call Ron. Yeah, <laughs> um, because because they just have a knack for capturing that. But um, no, I think the art's really cool. I mean, I I, I do think Ramon Perez is is, is a more accomplished artist. Uh, for in terms of learning to crawl, comparisons. Mm-hmm. I mean, do you see that? Do you think?
1: Yeah, yeah. I, I, I mean, I think it's more trying to be Ditko. I think, you know, the the stuff from um, you know Pat here is just trying to be a, like a modern Spider-Man comic, right? I don't right. feel a lot of like him going. Let's try to recreate the past. Um. One one thing I will say that I think perhaps makes this more fun than learning to crawl for me is that like this is after the period where Peter is questioning himself. He just kind of like knows he has to be Spider Man now. And whereas learning to crawl is in that like kind of murky territory. Um and so you get this kind of like very sincere younger Peter and, and between this book and like Ultimate Spider Man, like, you know, and, and we hear this from the creators too like Peter was meant to be in high school and, you know, I think his best stories often take place, you know, in that environment.
2: Oh, no, I agree, I agree with you 100 percent on that. I mean, it's, you know, I think it's, you know, Tom Brevert, Brevoort uh, infamously set up the, one of the Marvel summits that when, you know, the first word he thinks of with Spider-Man is youth. Um, but I think there's a lot of truth to that. I mean, I, I, you know, that that was what distinguished him when he first debuted in the, in, in the Silver Age. And, and, you know, this this just really kind of grabs hold of that. Um, I mean, what do I mean, what did you think of like some of like the little the little changes to, to you know, continuity? You know, like the, the, the Captain Stacy, the villains having Osborne kind of be more of a mastermind of other villains. What did, you know, what were your thoughts on that?
1: I mean, I think it's fine. I think a lot of it is kind of influenced by, um, like, I guess it's the period that it's in, like the '90s, where you know Osborn was about to come back, and uh, and you know the the idea that things are more integrated, you know, in, in books. It's not very similar to Stan Lee's style, where it was kind of one and done, and you might not hear of a character interacting. With her, but it definitely represents like a different Marvel, you know, and a different philosophy. Yeah. Um, So, I mean, it's funny. It's one of those things, like, I I don't know how well, like, if you were to read the Stan Lee run concurrently with this, I don't think that they would feel very, um, like, they would align particularly well. But, like, from a modern sensibility, like, it's a, you know, a really wonderfully told story.
2: Yeah. And and I I do want to put out there, you know, in terms of people, if if there are other comics that you want to read from this series i I definitely recommend you seek out the first annual yes i'm actually recommending an annual dan oh my Uh, gosh um it's it it mirrors the sinister six annual like every way possible all the way down to the fact that like there's like all these like little bonus features in the back Mm. uh and like instead of having like peter parker's house there's like aunt may's recipe for wheat cakes um, I
1: don't think I've ever read this one. Now I'm really yeah, going to have to go back.
2: You got you got to seek this out, Dan. It's it's one of the funniest things I've ever seen in my life. It's just it's just it's. I mean, like the main story is great, and then like the 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 added stuff in the back, like they just you know they riff on all of the the ly stuff that you know we we talked about on our podcast a while ago about you know like. You know, the the creative process and like here's the rogues gallery and here, you know, here's here's Peter's house. Here's, uh, you know, his web shooters. And and it just kind of riffs and it's it's fantastic.
1: I guess the only question I have for you, Mark, is uh, have you tried to make the wheat cakes?
2: Uh, No, not yet. I guess I should try. Maybe we'll do they,
1: they, a, we should both experiment this weekend.
2: It looks complicated. Like you like needed like real buckwheat and stuff like that. And I'm like, I can't find this. Never mind. <laughs> <laughs> so so you thought about it.
1: You have thought about
2: it. <laughs> Screw that. No. <laughs> <laughs> um, <laughs> anything else you want to talk about with 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 this book, Dan?
1: Not really. It's kind of just a simple issue, but you know, one worth digging up. I think.
2: Yeah, definitely. I mean, you know. I, I'm I, I am more fond of it than learning to crawl, as as you've probably heard from other podcasts, but um no, I I'm a I'm a huge fan of this series. I'm a huge fan of Kurt. Um Kurt's also Very very active on Twitter and does does engage and communicate with fans. So you know that's that's fun too. And Kurt writes other great stuff. You know, Astro City is this big book right now. Uh, He he had a pretty epic run on the Avengers in the late nineties. So um, and he of course he wrote probably my favorite story of all of the nineties, which was Marvel's uh, the miniseries. So um, with Alex Ross. So uh, definitely recommend you pick those all up from Kurt Busick. And you know, we go from a writer I really love to one that, at least in terms of the Spider Verse, not a huge fan of. This came in from uh, uh, our super fan Tom Aello. Uh, it's Amazing Spider-Man Two Twelve, the first Hydra Man. This is part of the the Denny O'Neill run. Dan, what are your thoughts on the Denny O'Neill run?
1: Um, you know, I think a lot of people like to um, put it down as like the probably like the worst run of Spider-Man comics. Uh, I don't know that I would agree with that. Like, yeah. I think I think they're kind of fine. They're kind of just standard ho-hum issues. And, like, you know, I think if I was reading it when they were coming out, it probably would have really annoyed me to wait month to month to receive such ho-hum issues. Um, reading them is a, like a bunch now. It's, it's such a short run um, that it's... You know, it's okay. And there's some kind of like things that make his run I don't know if they stand out, but like they make it memorable, like the singing cowboy.
2: Oh, the singing cowboy, yes. The the the, the was the noisy neighbor and then and then uh was was it did did Peter go to the coffee bean and saw him perform or something like that? Was yeah, that...
1: and then it broke out into a big like brew and he had to fight everybody in there uh-huh. and then by the end of it like you know, because everybody's, like, hypnotized, I believe. Right, And he, right. his song is the only thing that can keep them from, like, being violent. And it's like, oh, that's kind of sweet. Um, yeah.
2: I, I mean guess it's you know, not
1: often you see, like, a story like that, like, build up over all that time. Now, maybe not worth it, but, like, you know.
2: I mean, here's my thing with Danny O'Neill and Spider-Man. No, I don't think he's the worst run. Um, but, like you know Denny O'Neill is one of these guys I mean especially when he came into these books I mean he was pretty well established in the industry I mean he wrote but most of it was done with DC I mean he had you know basically rescued Batman from like you know the camp of the 60s and you know he he you know Created Raja Ghoul and, and did all these like definitive Batman stories of the seventies, and then did all these huge like Green Arrow, Green Lantern stories. I mean, like that talked about race and drugs and you know, Speedy the uh, the you know the, the assistant to Green Arrow was doing heroin. I mean, it was like these like genre defining comics, and then it comes to Spider Man and it's just like it's just so humdrum where you're just kind of like you know it kind of reminded me of when when in the 90s when they pulled dan jurgens in to do sensational spider-man like i mean there are some people who really liked those comics and i just think you know it's like you got you know you got the guy who basically you know who killed superman who did all these like really famous books for dc in the in, in the early 90s and 80s and like he's just really doing this kind of like it just feels like a tone-deaf rendition of spider-man that really doesn't give a crap about its history, you know, it's just like I'm just gonna do these comics for a year and a half and be done with it. You know, there's like there's I, I feel like there's just no passion to these stories, you know, like it's yeah. just it's just there. It happens, you know, like like there are there are other runs that I feel are creatively worse, but like, you know, I feel like at least the creators there were are trying to do something different. We're trying to create new characters, whatever. Um, this, I mean, you know, Hydro Man Who you know, the big bad in this issue? I mean, he's just he's the aquatic version of Sandman, you know, like is that what's the creativity in this character? I, I, I I never was have been excited by Hydro Man,
1: no, although you know, he pops up every once in a while. I like the issue where he got frozen recently, but like not because of him,
2: right? I mean, there's that great Hydro Man Tom McFarlane cover from that's actually more of a Venom issue than a Hydro-Man issue. Yeah. (laughs) um, You know, but that was just like, oh, we got Todd McFarlane, let's have him draw Hydro-Man, you know? (laughs) Like, that was, I think, what that was. Yeah. Um, I mean, just like, I mean, you know, like, his whole origin and motivation, you're just kind of like, what's what's up with this guy? Like, it's like, so he has this, like, terrible accident where because, you know, Spider-Man is kind of, Rushing to action, he knocks him into the water, and then he like you know, there's like what like a radioactive or something's going on under. No, water. yeah,
1: he's got some kind of like they have. This is after the Submariner fight, yes, which was yes. the previous issue, and Spider-Man's on this boat out to sea, and you know, Maury Bench, best name ever. Uh, yes. He's like this guy who's on board. He's you established that he's kind of a jerk. And he's playing poker, and Spider Man is like trying to stop this, like, nuclear, I don't know, some kind of radioactive test uh, that's gonna be put into the water or whatever, and knocks a crate, which hits him and no- So it's Spider Man's fault, really.
2: Yes, yes. He
1: knocks Maury Bench into the water, and then he could be, you know, transformed. We don't really see that, but he's supposed to get, like, chopped up by the propeller blade. But he manages to come out alive for some reason. Right. And you're like, I wonder why. And then he starts, like, sweating profusely.
2: Yes. <laughs> the sweating in the bar scene is kind of like, okay, that's odd. <laughs> yeah,
1: well, I mean, it's kind of – mean, I kind of like the artwork here, you know. Um, and uh, and, and it's, you this, it's Ramita. Yeah, I it, mean, is, it's... it is Ramita. Yeah, I mean, before he's really defined. Um, right. But, like, there's this woman, Sadie, in the bar who, like – like for some reason cares about Maury Bench and he keeps giving her like a hard time and then he just kind of melts uh, in, and like the puddle kind of goes down into the sewer and tries to find Spider Man. I mean, I like some of the visualization of him like coming out of the uh, different uh, like the bucket of water, the mop, and coming out of someone's like dry like washing machine. Yeah. I but, but like, like it's sandman
2: all over yeah, again, but do we i mean, and do we really have like a def- definition of his powers I this? mean
1: he's sandman, he just has water instead,
2: yeah, like like I don't know, like does he ever like attempt to drown spider man I don't feel like that actually happened
1: yeah i i don't, maybe maybe not um i mean there was, maybe was not that mis- marvel knight spider man,
2: yeah, yeah, that was
1: he was in that too.
2: Yeah, there you go. We, we we both love that book so much. Um.
1: <laughs> no, you know what? I want to talk about this Sadie character, this woman in the bar who's like okay, this this, this, is, this is,
2: woman. This is what you're latching on to in this comic. Well, no,
1: because she like comes back and I think that's true of like Denny O'Neill's books. He'll like introduce some like really weird like character, like this minor character and he'll like – you could tell that he's, like, attached to it. He's trying to build his own universe. So he, like, keeps bringing it back, like the stinging cowboy. So she, like, comes back later when it's the, like, Sandman and Hydra-Man are fighting over her affections. Yes. And that's what eventually causes them to, like, merge into, like, the mud creatures that they are.
2: Yes, that was another memorable Denny O'Neill issue.
1: Yes. Uh- <laughs> I don't know. I just like that Sadie comes back and is, like, responsible for... The like formation of the mud creature thing.
2: She's 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 hard habit to break, Dan. Yeah, clearly you, you
1: gotta ha- you gotta have Sadie. Speaking
2: speaking of love, Deb Whitman, who's a key part of the, the the Denny O'Neill run, and um, has has and and this is what I'm talking about in terms of like I just don't feel like O'Neill had a real grasp of Spider-Man. I mean, like, has there been a character that um. Was abused quite as much, or, or you know, just emotionally neglected as uh, as much as Peter did with Deb Whitman in the history of the books. I, I don't think there there has been.
1: I mean, there's no way to read it and not think that Peter's being a huge jerk to this woman.
2: Yeah, and, and it seems like it's not even like obliviousness. It's like, eh, nah, I'm not. She's 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 hot for me, so you know, I'm gonna I'm gonna do this.
1: The <laughs> poor woman is so abused that she like keeps coming back for more punishment because it's just like the cycle that she's caught in. Right. You know, it's actually a refreshing like portrait of like an unhealthy relationship. Um, yes Like it's it's real And I You know It's the same reason I like Like Carly Cooper As Spider-Man's love interest Because She got wise to him And then was like I refuse to be treated You know This way by you Like I'm a You know A strong woman That doesn't need this You know And I right. I, I respect that And
2: right. Well so I don't
1: really be- respect Deb I
2: feel bad for her should we replace the Carly Cooper whistle with a Deb Whitman whistle?
1: No, no. <laughs> that would just be a, a depressing sound.
2: Wah, wah. There you go. There you go. Um, yeah, Deb Whitman, you know, I I, I got to admit, I kind of rooted for her when she wrote that Tell All Tale book about Peter because, you know, she kind of, you kind of deserved it.
1: Yeah, yeah, completely agreed so what about this fight between hydro man and spider-man spider-man using some pretty ingenious tactics to beat him.
2: Yeah. I mean, you know, here's another O'Neillism. It's like this emphasis on high noon, like, like he must've said it about a dozen times in this book, like high noon, high noon. And I'm like, I don't know. Like, do we, do we really need like the country Western talk? I mean, just be like, meet me at noon on the rooftop. I I, I, like, (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> I don't know. Like, are, 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 did, we, did we need the high I, I'm, I'm being nitpicky. I realize, Dan, but this is what Denny O'Neill Spider Man does to me. Uh, <laughs> a living legend, Denny O'Neill. Great Batman writer. Um, he's just like, yeah, but he, yeah, so, so Peter draws him out and, and, you know, the sun is so high, it's so hot and, and uh, you know, basically kind of starts to evaporate him and makes him a easy punching bag, right?
1: All right, but then Spider-Man punches him and he, like, semi-murders him and then he's like <laughs> whatever
2: yes very cavalier kind of like how he created him in the first place like i'm gonna run and knock these crates over i hope there's nobody behind them you know whereas like you know years later in the sin Eater story he like is kill he's killing himself over the fact that he jumped over a bullet and the man got murdered <laughs>
1: yeah right well here he like just punches him and he explodes
2: yeah, at least at least with Sam he stuck him into a vacuum. I mean, you know,
1: <laughs> right, right, right. Well, you know, I will say there's one thing I do really like about this issue. It's like the emphasis on the heat wave that's going on and how hot it is, and that like Hydro Man gets like murdered or whatever, and we know he doesn't die, but like he like explodes and is ostensibly murdered, but then it like rains right afterwards, <laughs> and you're know, like that's kind of poetic. Like yeah, I, I think it's kind of poetic.
2: Yeah. Very, very nice. Very nice. Yeah. <laughs> oh my and goodness. I, and
1: I do like the visualization of his powers. Like, you know, Sandman is you know pretty pretty awesomely drawn, but like Hydra Man, you know, he, he kind of gets a good little shake here.
2: Yeah, I, I mean, I, I feel that this is a Lee Dicko villain. It just doesn't have the charms of it. You know yeah, what I mean? Like, yeah. like it's that's that's what it boils down to. But but,
1: but that's Sadie man, I, I'm waiting for her to come back.
2: You want you want maybe she'll be in Spider Verse.
1: <laughs> <laughs> they all just go to a bar after the whole thing is over, and Sadie is the bartender.
2: There you go. There you go. Maybe 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 like we can have her do something with boomerang and superior foes. Uh, yeah,
1: yeah. I mean like look, here's the deal. Like if Spider-Verse happens and all the Spider-Men don't like afterwards just decide to go out for a drink, I'm going to be really disappointed. Like they need their like shawarma moment.
2: Last Spider-Man in the bar, turn off the lights. Yeah, there you go. There you go. <laughs> oh, well. Yes. So <laughs> this happened. <laughs> that's that's about that's about Best I could say about Danny O'Neill's Spider-Man. This there you, happened. There you go. Well,
1: you know what? Let's <laughs> let's move from one story we love to another story we love. Oh, the Revelations dear. arc, as requested by Ray Sumzer.
2: our fans hate us Dan yeah it's entirely possible um so so Revelations um okay I'm actually going to put this out there Dan so Revelations four part arc uh that went through sensational spectacular amazing and then adjectiveless Spider-Man the adjectiveless Spider-Man issue 75 which is the, the Night of the Goblin I actually think it's a great story I I
1: agree with you completely.
2: Like I mean, that's that's the that's the full fledged return of the Green Goblin, Um, and you know it's like you you got great Romita art. You actually have a surprisingly strong Howard Mackey script. I mean, Howard Mackey is a guy that we've kind of punched on a little bit over the years, Um, but um, no, that's a great part. But um, you know, the lead up to that story is just like, uh, and, and, and it's just you know you could so tell that, that the, the, the clone saga had just really killed the creative juices of the spider office at this point because it's like they're just trying to they're just trying to get to 75 you know they're trying to they're trying to finish this thing out so they can kill off ben kill the baby and 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 start over again and and it 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 hurts the story as a result
1: I mean, you definitely like can see that they entered into this with like a list of things they wanted to like end, right? Yes. And they're like, okay, so we have this gaunt character. How do we get rid of him? Like, oh, we'll like turn him into a giant robot and then blow him up, um, you know. And then we'll uh, we got to get rid of Ben Riley. We got to fix all this stuff. We got to get rid of the baby, you know. Yeah. It's just, it's just a they go down the list, you know. And we get like weird appearances from like Arthur Stacy, who just randomly shows up.
2: Yeah, I, th- that that was kind of the whole Arthur Stacy angle. I mean, that started coming through in the Clone Saga, then kind of like continued on through like Defalco's second stint on the book. Like that character would show up, and I don't know, like what what was ever the resolution with Arthur Stacy? I just I, I like that's that's the impression he left on me. I have no idea where things ended up with him.
1: I'm not even sure it was ever resolved. So, uh, Mark, you know, I have to ask you, because I know you've just recently read through the entire Clone Saga. Like, how does this thing read as, like—because, you know, it gets it gets pretty long in the tooth in there. Like, how does this thing read, like, after reading through all those things you get here? Do you, like, breathe a sigh of relief?
2: Um, you know, yeah, I guess so, because, I mean, at least—you know, what's funny about the Clone Saga— um, and I I had no memory of this whatsoever, probably because I really had stopped reading about two-thirds of the way through. But, like, um, it gets to a point maybe in, like, the last dozen issues or so where, like, the stories don't even connect to each other anymore. It's just like – I mean, it's, it's it just shows just how – Awful and convoluted, and the idea was after a while that they they, they really had no end game. Like they just, they I, I mean, you know, they were just going to keep going until they had to stop. You know, until someone made them stop. Um, you know, they would like introduce like these elements, like oh, there's a there's another skeleton in the smokestack where Ben Riley was originally. You know, where we thought he was you know thrown in and incinerated and blah blah blah, blah. and it was like. But they didn't answer these things And like you know there would be like one story And amazing and one story and Spider-Man and one story and sensational And they wouldn't inter- uh, interact with each other it, it was you know so like You know you're reading this weekly saga And then you come back to it so like Revelations is good in that like It actually You know you kind of get back to the beginning of the Clone Saga where it did feel like It was this weekly thing and one thing led to the other Which led to the other I mean unfortunately what led to the other was this You know this total like Burn burn everything to the ground moment um, You know it's it's When Osborn Returns in, four, in Amazing Spider-Man 418 I mean that's a moment forever and ever That I kind of like resented And have just kind of started to soften to But like you know The fact that he's like the catalyst and what happens to peter and mj's baby which is still never really explained
1: right which is terrible
2: i mean that's just terrible writing like like you gotta just say what happened like it's like they didn't want to say that he killed her is that what it is is that like they oh we don't want to we don't want to admit to a fantaside so let's just like you know be vague about it like what what is up with that
1: yeah how is that not totally damaging to these characters yeah although i I guess i could say did that ever happen
2: well, I guess not now. Thank you. Thank you, Mephisto.
1: <laughs> you <laughs> yes. spared
2: us this. <laughs> one,
1: one horrible story erasing another one.
2: It <laughs> <laughs> was the one benefit of, of one more day. But but but, but seriously, like I like it, it's it's like why couldn't they just pick pick what they were doing with this with that with that story? They didn't they 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 wouldn't they wouldn't address it like was it a miscarriage was she poisoned was she was she kidnapped I, you know like
1: i mean it seems as though she's poisoned like that's food poisoning from Allison Mongrain which i don't know like when if you when you read this story this time i was like wait a minute like you know mary jane's out on like a date like she's out with like aunt may or she's out with like aunt anna and they're at like this at the coffee bean or whatever it's It is at that point in time. And Alison Mongrain, like, has got – just got a job there and she uses that to poison Mary Jane. Like, how did she know that that's where Mary Jane would go for, like, a dinner date?
2: Yeah, I – yeah, there's a lot of suspension of disbelief and, you know, that's hard to do when a story is this bad. Yeah. Um,
1: I mean there are things to like about it. I like the relationship between Peter and Ben. There's a really, like, touching – if a little hokey scene where they're up in the attic looking through their memories.
2: No, you're right there. There is some there is some gold to be mined from it, and I think that that you know that's the thing that's forgotten with the Clone Saga. But like, you know, it just it's you really have to mine for it. You know, you're you're, you're digging deep. Um, I mean, like, you know, w- w- you know, one of the big one of the big um, new villains in this is this gaunt, who is ends up being uh, Menken, right? Uh, Mendel Norman Strum. I- Mendelstrom, I'm sorry, um, but but what's Mendelstrom's relationship? He's he's one of old uh, Osborne's old lackeys, right?
1: Yeah, and uh, he's one of the first villains you saw in Amazing Spider-Man ever. Like you know, he's a robot master
2: kind of. Thing. Yes, yes. Um, so I mean, I felt like that kind of like tipped you off that you know maybe there was going to be some. Some Osborne in the works, but
1: well, if you uh, know that it's Osborne, it's all throughout these issues. There's no way of look, looking at it and going, "Oh, it's de-, you know, it's not Norman." But yeah, like, I, I wonder what it would be like to read it at the time. Um,
2: because but what did you think? But what did you think of Gaunt's uh, design?
1: <laughs> well, it's like very 90s. It's like everything is bigger and bigger and bigger and bigger. Yeah. he's she's a giant walking gun.
2: Uh, does he have pouches though? I does not have pouches. Nineties, <laughs> nineties, well. you need, you need pouches. <laughs> yeah,
1: one of my favorite things, like, about these issues is like in Sensational Eleven and Amazing Four Eighteen, um, you have these like robot kids that Strom has designed. Yes, that that fight them and they like have like seemingly the powers of the Fantastic Four or something. <laughs> like one of them's got stretchy arms, the other one's like on fire. And like watching Peter fight them while he's on the phone uh, it, yes. is, is particularly wonderful. He's like talking to Mary Jane, I think, and like the and manages to defeat. But it's just an odd thing. I remember like when I first picked up this issue, I had not read the other issues in the series i just picked up amazing 418 because that's what i was reading and i was like why is he beating up these kids like what is going on here
2: yeah it was odd (laughs) welcome to the welcome to the 90s son um we 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 do mark the death of sewer trainer we hardly knew ye um you know aka the man who fixed the results of the clone uh test um so that happened. <laughs> Just you know, for people who care, um, you know, did you, did you shed a tear? Uh, many. Yeah. Um, and but, and then I captured it in one of my many pouches. They, in a pouch, you got to have a pouch. <laughs> yeah. Um, so what? If, what? If, what are your thoughts on the actual return of Norman Osborn? Like, like, where do you stand on that?
1: I think it's fine. I mean, like, it, you know, I think there have been. More good stories told with his return than there have been bad ones. I mean, the most notorious would be since past, but technically you don't even need Norman back for that story. Um, so yeah, like,
2: that could have, yeah
1: yeah. All the Norman stories I think have actually been pretty good. I mean, Goblin Nation I wasn't a huge fan of, but like
2: right, but like Death in the Family and and even like the uh, Revenge of the Green Goblin. You know, like where, where he tries to make Peter the the heir. Um, those are great stories. Those are some of the best goblin stories ever you know
1: yeah yeah. and i actually think like goblin like norman was great for his reveal you know and for what he did with uh like gwen but like other than those two moments i don't think there are that many great like norman goblin stories um you know before his death i think a lot of the really like kind of like ones that set up the thing that you see in the movies and stuff now is you know the in that kind of crazy relationship where he's like the big business mogul that's like coming after him was really established post his return. Yeah. So um you know I think it's an interesting character now that he's back.
2: Yeah, I mean what 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 is interesting to me about Osborne's return and like I said I mean like I initially was like opposed to it because, you know, in my mind, it's like, you know, his death is like, it's, it's in tandem with one of the most iconic and, and, you know, kind of defined, defining moments in comic book history, not even just Spider-Man history, but comic book history. So it's like, you know, this, this bringing him back, you know, when, when he killed Gwen, you know, like, okay, Spider-Man himself did, did not choose to murder Osborne, but like, you know, I've always maintained that, you know, the act that he did was so heinous, like there was no way for Osborne to survive that story. You know what I mean? Like yeah. like I, I think I think fans would have been outraged if he survived it. Um so the fact that um they brought him back, I mean, is that negate it? You know, in the long run it doesn't, like you said, because he's been used well. Um but you know, the other thing to consider is like I feel like marvel had to bring him back because when you look at what the what the rogues gallery was in in the midnight mid to late 90s at that time it was it was a it was a wasteland you know you had kane killed off doc ock so he was out of play you know the jackal had been used to death if you even consider the jackal a top villain um you know you had you know like sandman was kind of like a good guy at that point for the most part with silver sable venom was going back and forth carnage was just you know overexposed pretty quickly um you know like you know lizard they kind of played that one out um you know i i don't you know I, i i even kind of think that they haven't hit on a good lizard story in a very long time um,
1: well, there was so, 350, which was several years earlier. I thought that was pretty good.
2: Yeah, that was probably one of the last really good lizard stories. But point being is is like where were they gonna you know where were they gonna go with Peter post clone saga? Like they needed something, and and I think Osborne was the only way to do it at that point. You know, like like they needed something big. They needed they needed him to have a nemesis again because he didn't have one. You so, know.
1: so why don't we talk about this final issue and and why we like it so much?
2: Yeah, I, I, absolutely. I mean, like you know, the 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 when I did my Green Goblin countdown list um, earlier in the year, I actually put this number five, which probably ticked some older fans off, thinking that I should have done some more of the Silver Age and Bronze Age stuff. Um, but the reason why I did that was I felt like, I mean, you know, I felt like this was the defining story of the 90s between Peter and Norman. Um, and, you know, on top of that, like, it's like I it's written like a nightmare come to life, which is what that would be. And if you put yourself in the character's shoes, like, like, like I, I felt like the terror and awe of the moment was completely conveyed through uh, Mackie's script and Ramita's art. You know, like, it's just like, you know, that one scene where he blows through the bugle and Jonah is just like that voice, you know what I mean? Like that, like that's, just, that's just bone chilling, you know, like, like, it's just like, like, wh- how, why is this character here again? You know, like all, you know, this character was so dead and buried. The fact that like all these people now have to deal with Norman Osborne being back, like as the Green Goblin, like it's just, it's a terrifying thing. And I feel like the comic just nails that, that. That emotion,
1: yeah, and and Ramita Junior's artwork, like he's this hulking figure, and so many of the scenes are just laid against a black background, which allows him to just like be this like, like you said, like a demon. He's just like, it's like he came straight from hell. Uh, yes, you know, without actually being the demogoblin. Um and
2: <laughs> without being uh not Roderick Kingsley, um uh who is the, 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 the substitute goblin? Um uh the pumpkin Mac Macandale, <laughs> Yeah, Macandale. Um anyway, sorry. But
1: <laughs> but yeah, yeah. I mean it's like and, and you really feel like anything could happen. So he's get, has this party that he's orchestrated that's like a fake party in the bugle and he's gathered all of Spider Man's like loved ones. And the entire supporting cast into this one space and rigged it with pumpkin bombs. And you're like, you know, you're already blindsided enough. But like at this point, you're like anything could happen, you know. Um, and man, I mean, I, yeah, reading even now, it's it's, you know, it's really tense. And he is out for blood, you know.
2: Yeah, well, that's the thing. Like they brought him back, but like they didn't pull any punches with him which I think is, is important. I mean, like, if you're going to bring him back, bring him back in a big way, you know? Like, you can't you can't have Norman Osborn and the Green Goblin back for the first time in, what, 20 years and have him be a patsy, you know what I mean? Like, they just, they, like, it, it, it's probably, you know, in terms of all the shocking reveals that they did during the Clone Saga and even during this arc, it's the one thing that they that, that Marvel just nailed during this era for Spider-Man, in my opinion. Like, it's yeah. just like um like they just got it they got it they, they 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 went for it they didn't hesitate you know no half measures as our good friend Mike from Breaking Bad would say um and 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 it's perfect and um well about, not perfect what
1: about uh, Ben's death
2: very very powerful death i mean you know i, I like you know it's it's obviously a it mirrors how Norman himself was thought to die, but, you know, being impaled by the by the the glider. Um, and I mean, that whole thing, you know, he obviously doesn't know about what happened with with, um, you know, Peter's daughter yet. So, like, you know, tell her about her Uncle Ben. You're just like, oh, you know, like like like, you know, he's got, you know, Peter has that loss again and you just your heart aches for him.
1: Yeah, and the, the him dissolving is just you know like just to dust into the wind. You know, it's yeah, it's pretty heartbreaking. And I, I understand why people would want to see that character come back, but I'm I'm happy having that be the way he goes out.
2: No, it's a, it's a, it's a pretty fitting ending. I mean, you know, and it is kind of hard to resurrect goo and dust, <laughs> but um, you, you never know. Yeah. Um, you know, I th- I think the only thing about that comic that always kind of Makes me go, mm, is like the very, very end where it's like, oh yeah, so we we endured this, we endured that. Oh yeah, oh oh, we lost my, we lost the daughter too. So like, let's just get a scene of Peter and MJ. But like, you know, it's like they kind of like, yeah we gotta end the comic now. <laughs> We're out of pages.
1: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, uh, uh, the kid's gone.
2: Yeah, like like like, you know, this was only a storyline for the last three and a half years, but you know. Just, just, move right along. <laughs> <laughs> and um, that's the
1: way it's been handled ever since.
2: Yeah, pretty much. I mean, yeah. you know, I I I think my my favorite thing was um, when they did that one. There was a few issues later. They did a a, a, a Christmas issue with uh, Nate Gray, the X ex, the X Man. Yeah. Um, and you know, they were kind of like Peter was kind of like reflecting on like you know all the misery he's endured the past year and like it's it's all about just aunt may dying and it's not like they they barely address the miscarriage or whatever you want to call it and they definitely don't even talk about the fact that he lost his brother ben you know you know or his clone you're like wow they really just were like we're done with this story <laughs> <laughs> never again <laughs>
1: Yeah, right or at least not until 20 years later when people decide they like this story all of a sudden
2: yeah well but that's the thing like i mean i i wrote a, a list for comicbook.com where i was like defending the clone saga you know i, I made use of my recent rereading of it and i mean you know I was kind of expecting to have like more people come out of the woodwork and be like, oh, no, no, it really wasn't that bad. You know, I agree. And and no, I mean, like I like um, I was looking at some of the comments on Facebook and it was like, what the hell is wrong with this person? <laughs> Why would they say that? Why are you making me relive this? <laughs> <laughs> How dare you? <laughs> I'm, so. a,
1: I'm an- anticipating a reread myself and that I think it's the area I'm least – familiar with so uh
2: yeah but it's gonna blur together for you because that's the thing I I, I, I reread it about a month ago now maybe two months ago to, early August so a month ago um, and there yeah when especially when like the stories start breaking apart and they don't flow into each other you're just like uh, there's some stuff going on Swar- swarm shows up dan
1: oh really there's a,
2: there's a swarm arc and there's another lizard arc and you're just gonna like uh okay um hey, you,
1: you know what i forgot to mention to you mark
2: oh what's that talking
1: about spider-man and the x-men that new book that was announced did you see yeah. who the villain of the first issue is
2: oh it's stegron it and is sauron. stegron
1: and sauron
2: that that's amazing i that, can't
1: wait to pick it up
2: that makes it worth it yeah <laughs> stegron the dinosaur man yeah Just... my
1: favorite villain
2: because just calling him Stegman wasn't enough. You had to add the dinosaur man. <laughs> <laughs> it's Jurassic Park before Crichton wrote it. <laughs>
1: yeah, and the dinosaurs can talk. Yes. And bring and... dinosaur bones back to life to attack New York City.
2: Yeah, beautifully illustrated by Ross Andrew, though.
1: Yeah, no, I, I will, I will give him that credit.
2: Yeah, Ross Andrew like loved writing. You know, as I think one of the readers on my site wrote he he loved getting like little New York tourist sites in there in his comics which anyway but we're not talking about Ross Andrew we're talking about Revelations um, anything else on Revelations <laughs>
1: I mean there's so much to say but I mean I, I, I would actually like would you recommend this story I mean I would at least recommend Spider-Man number 75
2: I feel like you have to read it if you're if you're a Spider-Man fan I feel like this is part of the history but like I would also tell people like you need to read Brand New Day and One More Day Like they're terrible. They're they're bad, but it's like just because it's a recommended read for in terms of context and, you know, this is what this was. I mean, like this is this is the 90s in a in a in a, a, you know, a snapshot, you know, like this is what 90s Spider-Man was. But I would Um,
1: sincerely recommend Spider-Man 75.
2: Absolutely, yeah. I wouldn't. Have, I mean, like I said, I put it number five in my list of yeah. uh, my Green Goblin list. I think it's a great story on its own, but Revelations as a whole. Ugh, but I think also to get the full power of seventy-five, you do need to read the three preceding issues.
1: Yeah, I, yeah, I guess you're right, or at least know what happens
2: in them. At least know what happens. Watch him beat up the robot kids. Come on.
1: Yeah. No. I look. That was a real highlight for me.
2: How often do you see Spider-Man beat up a robot kid? Or just a a kid.
1: You know, I might go back I might I might I might go back into this podcast and just edit out the word robot so it just sounds like he's being <laughs> a kid the whole time.
2: Don't you know it's the retcon of the kid who collects Spider-Man? <laughs> t- t- Tim Harrison is actually a robot kid and Spider-Man punches his head off. <laughs> 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 and that is how the story ends.
1: Mark, you will never be allowed to write Spider-Man.
2: <laughs> oh, they will never come on. I've been writing a blog for three years where I consistently crank and moan about stuff i will never be allowed to write spider-man period <laughs> no,
1: and, and, and rightfully so
2: <laughs> i'm surprised that they let me write about comic books period like yeah. you know and with any kind of insight <laughs>
1: <laughs> can we do like an all robot kid beat up episode it might just or- be that one issue
2: only if every kid looks like Tim Harrison and and the kids from the power pack that Spider-Man admitted he got, like, touched to.
1: <laughs> oh, man. I should to block out that memory. It happened. It did. It did. Is that considered part of continuity?
2: I don't know. I don't know. I forgot about it. I, 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 a few months ago, I did something for – when I was writing for What Culture about uh, moments that Marvel wants you to forget about Spider-Man, and someone in the comment section brought that up, like, "What about when he got touched?" I'm like, "Oh yeah, <laughs> I guess it counts."
1: <laughs> oh my god, that's gonna be our next member request issue.
2: <laughs> I got i would have to find that somewhere. I don't even know where I could find that. Yeah. <laughs> I, don't, I don't think digital—I don't think you can find it on Marvel Unlimited. <laughs> yeah,
1: Mar- 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 Marvel—you uh, can pay like two bucks to buy that digital copy.
2: All right, there you go. <laughs> <laughs> Anything else, Dan? <laughs> I think that's about it. Let's wrap this thing up. All right, this was some heck of a listener request episode. Uh, I, I I hope we didn't rain on the on the request too much.
1: <laughs> yeah, no, you know what? I hope we can do a lot more of these.
2: Yeah, actually, this is kind of fun. I got to admit. So thank you for the recommendations, folks.
1: (laughs) Yeah, yeah. Of course, you guys can find all of our new Amazing Spider Talk and old Superior Spider Talk podcasts at superiorspidertalk.com or find us on iTunes and Stitcher by searching Amazing Spider Talk. And if you do, please make sure to leave us a rating and a comment and let us know how we're doing and we'll read it on the air. If you have any opinions on these comics, like Revelations, and you have any questions, email them to us at Amazing Spider po- Talk. Sorry. Email them to us at Amazing Spider at gmail.com and we'll address and read them on the air.
2: Yeah, and also be sure to check out both of our Facebook pages at facebook.com slash superior spider talk and facebook.com slash and amazing because these are great places to keep up with us in between shows. We put up articles and other breaking news about Spider-Man universe. And hey, if you want to harass us about a storyline that we should be talking or writing about, uh, that would be a good place to do it. Right, Dan?
1: Yeah, absolutely. If you guys enjoyed this show and would like to be a part of our members request episode, just like Vince, Tom, and Ray were this time, please consider donating and becoming a member of the Friendly Neighborhood Spider-Talk Members Club. All you have to do is click on the banner on both of our pages.
2: Yes, yes. For for some of your hard-earned money, we will become your indentured internet slaves, right, Dan? Yes, yes. Uh, I I, is,
1: I can't wait to be your indentured slave.
2: Is that is that is that not PC, Dan? I, probably not. So now I, I can't. I, I won't be able to write about anything anymore. Yeah, uh, <laughs> we're going to be taken off of Apple now for that. Well, um, uh, Mark,
1: uh, in, for the short time that you will be able to continue writing, where can we find it?
2: Yes, you can of course find me at www.chasingamazingblog.com where i own my own domain name and thus can't be taken down yet um or you can follow me on twitter at chasing asm blog uh or you can find some of my other uh, ancillary writings uh for whatever reason people like it when i write for them at comicbook.com where i'm doing my lists currently and at gimmick or, or good at comics should be good blog what about you dan
1: of course, you can follow me on Twitter at, at Dan Gavazin, or my Spider-Man account, which I seem to be using a lot more recently, at at SupSpiderTalk. Um, and you can visit all of my spider writing and all of my team spider writing at SuperiorSpiderTalk.com. Um, and, yeah, I guess that's about it, Mark.
2: Yes, yes. So, um, you know, in the immortal words of Uncle Ben... Uh... Why did you make us read Revelations? Wait, no. <laughs> um, no. Uh, with great podcasts must also come amazing spider talk.
0: What a little prouder. Be an innovator. The Merry Marvel Marching Society. If you growl, if you groan, and your score is merely zero, do not howl, do not moan. You can be a superhero marching right along through the fighting Song of the Mary.